Hello and welcome to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Josh Chappell. Today on the show, we'll be talking about the latest Team Serious Open, Bug Control and Vintage, a wrap-up of the Modern Masters, and also, what exactly did Josh Chappell do in Las Vegas this <laughs> past weekend? I think we have a good show lined up. Yeah, we did just have the Team Series open in Sandusky this past Saturday. We had 14 people show up, which I felt was a little bit low. We had a few people out of town, a few people couldn't make it. Jeff himself was sick. So it was a little bit lower than I expected, but we did have, for example, Kevin Cron brought four people down from Michigan with him and then went on to play in the finals. So it's always good to have extra people come down. Uh, another thing we did at the tournament was to have the vintage achievements again. I know we talked about those a little bit last time. I put up a solicitation beforehand to see if we could get some extra prizes. The store owner gave us a pack of Modern Masters, which we gave out, and Matt Hazard generously brought a large bottle of Dove Plus for Men skincare and body well, wash. Well, I mean, soap is very important for Magic players. That was actually a very important gift. I mean, that was, you know, I, I really can see this being cherished by someone at a future tournament. <laughs> was it was it not given out at this tournament? No, actually, I, I have a, a stash of things that I hope will continue to grow and we can continue to give these out at future tournaments because I think it's a little bit more interesting to have some of these more entertaining and different prizes than the usual, you know, sleeves and deck boxes and play mats and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. For example, I had a copy of the fourth edition Magic the Gathering Encyclopedia. Yeah, those books are pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah that seems pretty good. Yeah, that one was good. Uh, I had a copy of Weatherlight Revealed that Jake Hilty took home. I guess so, he's already read it. It's got zero tech in it. but, but So is that, funny. okay, is that talking about the Weatherlight story, or is that talking about the Weatherlight set? This is talking about the Weatherlight set. Apparently this was, you know, before the internet was any good, so... Before people could look up cards and find out how good they were on the internet, people actually had to publish books about them. <laughs> Null rod, zero out of ten. This card is terrible. Well, yeah, it's funny because you, I mean, you look at these cards that we have now, and like there are vintage playable cards in Weatherlight. So, so Null rod is clearly one of them. Uh, Doomsday was in Weatherlight. There's a few other things that I'm forgetting. Abeyance is one of them. It's Peacekeeper can be okay. Fringe playable. Yeah, Peacekeeper's in there. And it's funny because they rate them for limited play, like standard play, and then classic, which is the... Ooh. Yeah, which is before... um, I think that before Vintage and Legacy Split, I think they were classic. Mm -hmm. And they do mention some of the interesting strategies. They do talk about Doomsday being a combo card, and I believe the win is Recurring Time Walk with Soldevi Digger. Oh, yes. Um... I just did so, that last I mean, week. There's, yeah, there's some really interesting commentary in there, and I'm glad it went to a good home. <laughs> <laughs> but I also I, saw that there's um, an oversized jester's cap. Yeah, there's an oversized jester's cap in there. That's cool. I mean, um, like, I would hang that on my wall. Yeah, sure. I, I would wear yeah, that I, on I mean, my that's head. what I've been doing with it. <laughs> so, I heard, um, though, I heard the, it, that you were the big winner. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, the, the vintage achievements, like, you get a point per round for each achievement that you get. And the achievements are things like having all five original moxes in play, or if you have three spells on the stack at the same time, you get an achievement, or if you play spells of the same name four times in one turn, you get an achievement. So things like that. Things that happen in the game that you know might not happen all the time, but 
are sort of noteworthy. Like you get, so get I need an achievement some, for them. I need some clarification. Yeah. Five original moxes in play means no proxies. The proxies <laughs> count. Proxies count. <laughs> All right. The four spells of the same name in a turn. Does storm count? Yeah. Sure. And then, like if you if so like if you gush and then gush and then play Yogmas will and play the same two gushes again that counts. But do storm oh, copies no, no. of storm, storm spells don't count. <laughs> okay. Sorry, no. Playing Tendril of Agony for four does not count. I was like, holy cow! It's just like achievement <laughs> point city if you're playing. Uh... Yeah, but you can. I was see, like, they printed you know, gush with storm. storm. That seems good. Sorry, no storm copies do not count, but yeah. but actual. That's actually actual spells. Cast the, those spells. Right. But anyway, so I think most of the time people were turning in scores of like three and four. Those were usually the highest. Some people got up to five. That would be a good round score. And in round two, I was playing against Mark Trogdon, and he let me play out a Metal Worker and Staff of Domination combo turn. <laughs> and I managed to score eight <laughs> achievements, including for things like building a storm of ten and passing the turn without killing my opponent. Oh, and I, I also cast a Chalice of the Void with nine counters on it. So that, <laughs> that gives you an achievement for hard casting a permanent that costs eight or more. This sounds like milking the achievements system, Nat. I... <laughs> well, the thing was, I had already... Uh, I'm sorry, I had these eight achievements in round three, and I had already won the achievement prize in round two with so, with an earlier four in achievements. So. so Trogdon was playing workshops. Yeah. And why didn't you cast Chalice of the Void on four? Because that still gives you your achievement. It, because at that point it really didn't matter. Oh, got it. I mean, I had infinite mana, so I just did what I wanted with it. All right, I was just joking. You passed the turn. Did he win? No, he did not. He oh. Actually, he let me pass the turn, and then he conceded. So. Oh, okay. It, it wasn't exactly vote rigging or anything like that. It was just he wanted to make sure that I sort of knew what I was doing. And as it turned out, I really didn't because I ended up going one, two, and one on the day. So, yeah, as it turns out, I played that Forge Master staves list that I have. I think, as was pointed out to me a few times during the day, I was just making moves with it and not being aggressive with it enough. You know, I think that's actually... That must be the sign of a good deck, is that you really just don't know when to use all your cards properly. So, anyway. Yeah, I didn't have a very good day. <laughs> Where did you end up? I believe out of 14 people, I was 10th. That's rough. Yeah, it was bad. Were there any... uh Standout decks at the tournament that were pretty sweet. I don't really remember seeing anything especially unique. What well, one? The top four in order was Charles Rolko beat Kevin Crone in the finals, and Charles was playing Grixis Control with Bob's, and Kevin was playing a Bug Control deck with Deathrite Shamans and Trigon Predators. He had a bunch of Trigon Predators main deck. And How many is a bunch? That seems like an interesting three. card to have. He wow. had three. <laughs> the other two top four players were Mark Trogdon with a shop aggro control combo list. Oh, shop aggro combo list, actually. And Jacob Hilty was also playing a bug control list similar to Kevin's with Deathrite Shamans and things like that. Uh, I believe Kevin and Jake's lists were both based on the bug control list that came out of the Bazaar of Moxon. Yeah, it seems like uh, Kevin's list is a little more has a little more discard in it than Jake's. He plays the three Cabal Therapies. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Cabal Therapy is awesome. Because, yeah, and I think... You know, uh, it gives you information, yeah. you could randomly hit, and it gets rid of your Dark Confident when you've, like, 
needed gone. Yeah, I was just going to point that out, that there were a few times I was watching games of his where he would get them low because of Dark Confidant or something else, and it would kind of be nice to be able to get those out of the way. Although you can also gain life periodically with Deathrite Shaman and things like that. Right. It's nice to have that out. Those lists seem really good. Both of them have slight differences, Jake's and Kevin's do, but they both are just chock-filled with removal and card drawing, and there's a lot of stuff that (laughs) they can put together pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, they they both look really fun to play. I mean, Abrupt Decay is pretty good against any Time Vault strategy, right? That's pretty good against everything. Yeah, it kills Oath. Yeah, it kills Oath, it kills Lodestone Golems, it kills... It doesn't um, kill Lodestone Golem. It doesn't? No, it's converted mana cost three or less. Oh, three or less. It kills Tanglewire, then. There you go. (laughs) Okay, yeah, there you go. You know, actually, I mean, that's... Wait, is Abrupt K a instant or sorcery? Oh, it's definitely an instant. Oh, okay. So you can kill Tanglewire with it. Right. Nice. Well, I mean, you could kill Tanglewire with it if it was a sorcery, too. Uh, You could, but that's probably not the most economical way to do it. All right, fine. It's like, oh, sweet. Um, Tanglewire's finally down to zero counters. I can finally cast this spell and kill it. (laughs) Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that both of them seem to be planning to play against a lot of workshop decks. Kevin's deck, as I mentioned, had a bunch of Trigon Predators. He had three Trigon Predators main deck and had some some extra power on the board. I mean, he could play Scavengers and pump those up pretty big, too, I imagine. Tangle on the battlefield with Lodestone Golems and things like that. And then Jake's deck, he also had two Trigon Predators main decks, as well as two Steel Sabotage that he could counterspell things with. And I think both of them were playing a Snuff Out. Main deck? Remind uh, me what group. Snuff Out does. Yeah, it kills a creature for free. Uh, at the cost of four life. That's oh. free. <laughs> yeah, it's free. No mana free. So, yeah. That's not necessarily um, free when you're playing a deck with Dark Confidant, though. Yeah, but I mean, I think the idea is that you can gain control pretty quickly and then... Yeah. Uh, it's a non-black creature, which could be relevant. Sure. Right. Well, if you're worried about killing Lodestone, then non-black is, is fine. Fine. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, I mean, in in the, another the abrupt case, you know, a lot of the spells that are eventually going to win you the game cost two mana, and uh, abrupt decay right. is a pretty efficient answer to a chalice of two. Right. I think actually the the card that we really haven't talked about a lot is Death Shaman. Have you guys, have either of you played that in, in vintage yet? <laughs> Not in vintage, but man, that card is really good. Yeah, I haven't. I know I've seen really mixed reviews on it. Like some people are like. It's the best one mana planeswalker ever printed. Other people are like, I really wanted Deathrite Shaman to get there for me, and he never just did what I needed him to do right then. Yeah. I mean, their probably deck is probably built wrong. It could be. I, I think that's part of it because I, I was seeing I was seeing him get a lot of use in decks that played him. I played against a deck that had it, and I mean, he was beating me off with it. I mean, it, it was making me mana when he needed it. It was dealing me damage. It was. I mean, basically, he was just letting it sit there and. Yeah, I mean that's all it has to do. It's yeah, insane. it does a lot. I was I was really impressed with it, and I think that's going to be. I mean, it seems like a vintage playable, probably staple card that'll be there for a while. Can't stop welder activation. That's that's true. I mean, it does a lot of relevant things. It helps eat graveyards. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a game winner by itself against Dredge or anything like that. But yeah, right. you can certainly prevent someone from having a really big Yawgmoth's will turn. Sure. Getting rid of a couple of critical cards in a person's graveyard does a lot to cutting down on the right. Yawgmoth's will. Yeah. And I mean, can you imagine how good it would be if it ate just regular artifacts? I mean, like, if you could get rid of a Black Lotus out yeah. of someone's graveyard, yeah. that would be super good. Indeed. Well, but the and then the deck plays scavenging you, so I mean... Right. So you still can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the similar cards, or the, a lot of the cards in Kevin's and Jake's deck are um, 
show up in the Bizarre Moxon first place deck. Yeah. Same idea, basically. Oh, sure. Same creatures. Yeah. I, I think, it, like I said, a lot of it's just based on what metagame you expect to face. And Ohio still has a reputation of being a workshop-heavy area, and we've often had multiple dredge decks that do well. And I mean, both both of these decks were prepared for it, even though uh, I think at our tournament we had three workshop decks and zero dredge. Wow. Yeah. And obviously they, they weren't hurting too badly against blue decks either, and they were between counter spells and discard and drawing extra cards with Dark Confidant. Right. They were still able to put together a really good offense. So I, I think bug control is, is a real deal. Like, it's it's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks good on paper. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it looks like it plays a lot of just really diverse threats. It's got all kinds of, of different cards that it's not necessarily playing for, uh, but it's playing, like, two or three of things like Echoing Decay and, right. and removal spells that um, it can just handle a lot of different situations. And Abrupt Decay? Like, yeah. What did I say? Echoing Decay? Sorry about that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and Kevin's list has Demonic and Vampiric Tutor as well as Demonic Consultation. He can go find answers when he needs them, too. Jake's list has, looks like just the two tutors, no Consultation. Man, I gotta say that I love Demonic Consultation, especially in a deck that like that. Fun? Yeah. yeah, it's tons of fun, and it is just, like, one black instant speed. Maybe you'll kill yourself, but otherwise, you get the card that you want right now. Well, Pass so off often, to Kevin for playing Demonic Consultation. Yeah, well, so often it's it's you go get the card you need that otherwise you're going to die to anyway. So yeah, it really doesn't matter, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like you either die to your own Demonic Consultation or you live because of it. So Yeah, I mean, then you're just taking away your opponent's satisfaction of killing you themselves. So. Right. <laughs> it's also really awesome when you Demonic Consultation for something that you have like three of in your deck and there are three of them in the top seven. It's just like, yes! <laughs> well, if you're there in top seven, then you get that third one. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. It's six cards, not seven. But one thing I was sort of surprised is that neither of the decks is really playing a whole lot of Jaces. Jake isn't playing any, and I think Kevin's playing one. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sort of surprised by that. I mean, it seems like Deathrite, Shaman, and Jace would go together really well because you could accelerate into Jace. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I feel like that Although, maybe that's, I mean, that's not really the deck's game plan. I think it's just there if... You're like, yeah. okay, I guess, I'll, I guess you know... Jace is fine. The, yeah, we'll the game him. stalled out, I guess, I guess I'll play this card. Right, yeah. No, I understand that, too. I mean, they have plenty of other things to accelerate into. I mean, accelerating into a Trigon Predator is certainly good, too, or accelerating into getting extra use out of a spell with Snapcaster Mage is good. Not that you need to accelerate with Deathrite Shaman at all. Right. You, you could just, yeah, exile creatures or exile tar- instants or sorceries and just right. use his other abilities... Right. Well, I, I know I was playing against my opponent who was using Deathrite was using it just to deal me two a lot of times. It was like, wow, I ended up taking six or eight damage from that. Sure, sure. I mean, I can see how you wouldn't get creature cards in the graveyard all the time, so you right. would be gaining a lot of life, but most decks are going to end up with instant or sorcery cards. Right. So, I mean, well, he that's... was just removing his own. I was playing workshops. Oh, yeah. savage. I know. It was super good for him. <laughs> Counter your spell, deal you two. Okay. I guess nice. Yeah, it looks, it looks like Kevin only plays one basic land. It's a swamp. Jake played one swamp, one island. Yeah, they have no respect for workshops. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's part of it is like the, the death right will let you get around that. I think it lets, lets you be a little yeah. bit greedy. Yeah, you, you don't need to, to worry about it as much. Yeah, the bizarre no. mocking list played zero basics. 
They, yeah, I found there's a lot of bizarre, a lot of European decks that don't play a lot of basic lands because I know that that wizard list that we've looked at a lot of times that doesn't play any or plays one basic island which is not enough. I remember how bad it was back when I was testing like a really heavy mana denial land still playing against like Noblefish, where it was just like if they led with turn one Noble Hierarch the game was basically yeah. over because I couldn't keep them off of mana. I imagine the Death Rite would do exactly the same thing. Right. You have that awkward choice of do I waste this land to give him a mana with Deathrite Shaman or do I... Yeah. Do you weren't playing Cabal Pit? Play? Right, yeah. Yeah, I w- yeah. How come you couldn't get rid of the Deathrite? Or get rid of the uh, Noble Hierarch? I didn't have any direct damage other than Fire and Ice, which was a two of. Oh, yeah. No Cabal Pits? No Cabal Pits, just the Wastelands, Factories, and one Fairy Conclave. Yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking about this list, and I was thinking I kind of want to see how it would be with lightning bolts over the abrupt decays, hmm. just or maybe play you know some number of abrupt decays, but then you have extra reach with the lightning bolts, and you know you can still with lightning bolts you actually can remove lodestone columns and things like that. And there's a lot of creatures in vintage right now, and lightning bolt seems to get rid of a bunch of them. Yeah, I mean I think if you if you want to play a one mana spell that kills a lodestone golem, it should be probably swords. Not Lightning Bolt. Interesting. Why, I think Swords is real good. Cause yeah, it, just, it just kills everything. Yeah, there are some things well, yeah. that you end up against, like Kaldatha Forge Master, and you're just like, well, my bolt is complete right now. Well, that's true. No, did, uh, did you see Demarza's article where he was interviewing Mastriano? And yeah. Mastriano was basically like, yeah, I specifically wanted to play with White. Like, there were some other cards, but it was chiefly for Swords. Yeah, Yeah. it was Swords and Rest in Peace. Yeah, and I can totally see that. When I was building recently, I was just, and I switched from Black to White, I wanted Swords and Rest in Peace. They were really good cards. Yeah, Yeah, we've we've had a whole show on why White and Blue are a good combination right now. It's true. Yep, and that doesn't seem to have changed really all that much, although this bug control does seem like it's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, do we want to talk anything more more about bug? I mean, the big thing in bug is the different removal spells, and the big one is Deathrite Shaman, I think. I guess yeah. uh, Trigon's also rather important. Trigon well, does mean, a yeah. lot in vintage. Yeah. Well, I think the I mean the big new things are Abrupt Decay and Deathrite Shaman. Yeah. Trigon's been been around for a while and right. been used for a while. Right. Wow, Modern Masters Trigons are only like 75 cents a piece. <laughs> Dissension Trigons are like $2. Well, they're really good. They play better. And I like the art on Modern Masters Trigon better. Well, there was also a fair amount of Modern Masters packs opened last weekend. That's a good point. You know, it's probably actually, if you're picking up anything other than, and this is, this actually sort of dovetails into our discussion about Modern Masters. If you're going to buy any Modern Masters cards that are probably aside from Tarmogoyf, now is probably a decent time to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I don't know the actual print amount on the cards, but like a lot of the alternate art cards I could see in the long run being worth more money. I know a lot of people have said that the art on the Modern Masters cards is a lot more appealing to them. I know a few people have said that about Archbound Ravager. And, yeah, I tend uh, to oh, agree. I, I the think bridge that, from below? So the yeah, bridge, bridge from normal below is really card cool. alter is like just another level of like your opponent is like, oh, you have those two bridges, that sucks, I wish I would have removed them. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with picking up Modern Masters stuff too. And I'm, I think the estimate that I saw was that one-eighth of the print run was open in Las Vegas. 
That is crazy. But of course, I mean, Wizards doesn't actually release any of that information, so that was just an estimate that I heard. And Wait, players aren't public now? No, no, no. Like, they don't release? Can you imagine? They can't publish that, because that would give you, like, exact information on how to value cards. I suppose that they can't give it, like... Because I mean, they, they eventually publish print run information, don't they? Like, once it's done? So. Because I know that we looked back and established exactly what percentage of what some card Jayco had, because he has, like, 600... What is it? Well, it's like an old, an older card, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an older card. I wasn't, I I mean, and we had the print run for that, but, but they don't do that anymore. Well, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that they do that anymore. Huh. They might. I, I don't know. I'm not one to say. Well, I understand. For or against. Well, Magic the Gathering has no compliance department, so like, you could probably find out, and it wouldn't be a big deal. Right. Yeah, I, I, they just don't release it on their own here. Right. Are there any cards other than Tarmogoyf that we expect will go up? Over time, or, or are high right now? I guess the Tarmogoyf is high right now and is going to keep on going up. I, you know, I don't think any card is actually going to go up. I mean, there there might be price differences between different versions, but I don't know that. I guess the idea would be that they would go up because there's more demand, so more people want to play, or more people want to play modern, so there's more demand. So I guess I I, I, I sort of feel price. like if that estimate is correct and one eighth of the product has been opened, that actually. Mm-hmm puts more out there than I thought that there would be, I suppose. It seems to me like as soon as we get to the point where there is no more left, then we'll probably see a price spike. For exactly the reason we were talking about is that there are a lot of desirable arts on these cards. They're going to be sought after more than probably the originals. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the basic, you know, law of supply and demand is like all these cards are open and they're just all flooded into the market. I mean, the price is going to go down. Yeah. And once that, like, doesn't happen anymore. Right. I mean, it'll, it'll probably slowly start to pick up a little bit. Yeah. Well, how many cards did you see open, Chapel? I don't know. What was the six by six times 4,492? <laughs> that's a lot that's, of packs. Man, that's a lot. Yeah. Were there any screams when people opened up the Tarmogoyf, foil Tarmogoyf pack? Yeah, there was a, there was a guy a couple seats down from me that opened up a foil Tarmogoyf and immediately left. <laughs> nice. Was, was that pretty common? Like people were just like, I'm out of here, forget it? Yeah, I mean, I heard, I heard a lot of like rumors, I guess, you know, like supposedly someone opened a foil and a regular Tarmogoyf. Yeah. I don't know. For me, the most profitable part was when I passed my sealed pool and got a new one. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, okay, so I don't know a whole lot about, basically I saw that there's a foil in every Modern Masters pack? Yeah. There should be a lot of foils, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a foil in every one. Okay, alright. And that can be a card of any rarity. Yes. Oh, okay. I I don't open packs, so. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm okay with not opening packs. Yeah, I mean, I got a a foil (laughs) Glenelendra. Seems solid. That yeah, cool. it seems good. You play foils, right, Chapel? I mean, I'm gonna play this because like it's a card I have as opposed to a card I have to purchase. <laughs> Fair enough. But I mean, do you normally play foils? I mean, like, are you do you collect and play foils normally before? No, not really. I mean, I don't really care. I guess if I have to have a preference for what card I would like to play, it's gonna start with Russian. Oh, interesting. So you play Russian non-foils. Yes. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, that I, way my opponents usually can't read them, and I can just kind of, like, make up what they do. Yeah, this well, card just be, makes me win the game. You should just quit now before we call a judge to read it. Yeah, so I actually, so I, I, I didn't want to have to, like, fight through players or have to deal with acquiring basic lands, so I packed 20 of each basic land with me. And, uh, use those. Yeah, but I, but I brought like all the same art of 
Japanese 4th edition oh, nice. basic lands. Nice. And my first round opponent, I think he was, like, pretty new to playing Magic, and I played, like, a Japanese island, and it just, like, blew. I think he thought I was cheating because he's, like, I don't know what that card is, and I'm, like, oh, it's just an island. See how it's an island? No, it's so, not. Yeah. And oh. then I attacked him with it a few times. And <laughs> These are Japanese islands. They actually have a power and toughness. They're they're strictly better than English islands, but you can't tell. Yeah, moons. But that's that. Really good. He totally dominated me and blew me out. Of oh really? Round one with Rude Awakening entwined. Oof. Well, that's what you get for bringing your own lands to a yeah. tournament. Yeah, yeah. Deserved it. It steeled so his resolve to thrash you. I played blue, black, and I splashed red fairies. So I guess just real quick, I had. The Glenelandra, one Pestermite, uh, two Spellstar Sprites, Latchkey Fairy, Fairy Macabre, uh, Kaiga, which is awesome. Yeah, Kaiga the Tidestar. Uh, Warren Pilferers, yeah. And then I had Riftwind Cloudscape, two Aether Snipes, and a Vidalcan Dismisser, so my tempo game was pretty good. Yeah, cool. Um, and how did, that, Emeron, how did that do for you? I went to one drop, but I gave my round three opponent the win because I was dropping to go to the pool. Going to <laughs> that, the pool. That's, that's a good play. Yeah. <laughs> How many? Yeah, I mean, it was okay. Just, it was. So they had four thousand people there. How many rounds is that? Uh, well, they, they capped GPs. Oh, so yeah. I think is is what nine rounds on day one. Uh, was it nine? Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, it was either God. nine or eleven, wasn't it? I think it's nine. Yeah. And then six rounds on day two, and then top eight. I guess that doesn't so, like, sound as bad as break... I was thought, thinking it would be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the breakdown is you play. I don't know. In two days, more than. 24 hours of magic, and, like, if you're the one person that wins, you walk away with $3,500 for a tournament that took in, like, over a quarter million. Yeah, the uh, the payout was fairly ridiculous compared to the number of people who were there. (laughs) They don't don't scale it? No. Oh, uh, that's neat. I guess. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of led to my decision. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't really want to just. There's a lot of people I don't get to see very often, so I'm like, I'd just rather just hang out with these people. And yeah, right. Kind of in the, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. But it was good. I mean, the format seemed awesome. I had fun playing. Well, it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, I like the idea of being able to draft sort of archetypes rather than drafting colors. I mean, like, you know, if you right. get the right cards, you're playing fairies or you're playing giants or you're playing, you know, affinity artifacts or you're playing storm, that sort of thing. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. Most right. importantly, Chapel, did you pull any sweet thalads? I actually pulled zero thalads, which, like, I couldn't have been wow. more excited about. That's actually really surprising given that there are several of them at common rarity. Yeah, I actually, I think I just got, like, drag downs instead, which, like, I wasn't really upset about. <laughs> yeah, that seems, that seems better to get dragged down than Thalad if you're not going to play. Yeah, I think, I think that, that Nat and I established at the, uh, the Time Spiral pre-release that I am amazing at pulling Thalads, and that's probably a bad thing. Yeah, it was too bad. <laughs> but I also, I also opened a Progenitus, and if my sealed pool would have been really bad, like, that would have for sure been in my deck. <laughs> you, you didn't play it? No. Why not, although, man? I mean, although I think I think uh, G, I think his sealed pool was that bad, and I believe that if someone was telling me. I think it was G. Opened a progenus, played it, and cast it multiple times. <laughs> wow! I think multiple is twice. The, those those must have been interesting games. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, you it's have one of those things where you, tomorrow. you eventually get to that point, and you're just like, oh, I can't believe we're here. <laughs> We have Search for Tomorrow, Kadama's Reach, 
you have all the spell bombs in relic to like cycle through and make sure you hit all your land drops. So you can just ramp to Progenitus. I really should have just built a second deck out of my pool that had mana ramp, Progenitus, and just basic lands, and then like just played that whole deck for game two. like a lot of fun to be at the tournament you said that you were there from what you were you were only there from like 9 30 until 2 right yeah something like that and then you just dropped to have fun in vegas correct yeah so i mean i landed thursday night i immediately took a cab to the hotel met up with the people i was staying with and then you know josh had a really long day at work and drank at the airport in denver and on the plane so he just went to sleep in the hotel, and Frank went out with all of his friends. So I heard a lot of good stories about Frank. <laughs> what What did you hear about Frank? Uh, apparently, Fra- apparently Frank. Appropriate for podcasting. Well, apparently Frank likes to dance, but like <laughs> he doesn't like to dance the normal way. He like kind of danced around, and maybe like I think he knocked a couple glasses over. Um, I don't know. When I woke up. Frank had, like, some splinters in my hand and some cuts on my arm. <laughs> okay, so Thursday was an okay day. What happened on Friday? <laughs> Friday, I think we, we uh, hung out and met up with Sam and some other people, went to the pool. Friday, we actually went to the burger bar. Oh, which, okay, I've heard of that place. Yeah, Jimmy and Sam both got the uh, Kobe style burger with the foie gras shaved truffles on top. Wow. Yeah, looked pretty good. I had it last time I was in Vegas, and it was indeed pretty good. Would you classify it as insane? It was pretty insane, yeah. And there were no punches? No punches. What a shame. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I got a pretty good sunburn, put a decent dent in my checking account. So it sounds like you didn't actually spend much time at the Grand Prix itself? Yeah, I mean, I actually I would have liked to spend a little more time there and kind of meet some people and hang out, but I mean, there were just so many people that it sounds it sounds like it was kind of a stifling engagement with just so many people. Yeah, I mean, to be honest though, for the number of people that were there, I think that it was ran really well. Like everything went pretty smooth. I mean, I saw a lot of pictures of the lines on Friday and you know lines stretching out the building and stuff like that, and I thought, oh man, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. Like we were joking, like oh, this tournament's going to end on Tuesday. All these people are just going to have messed up plans. But, you know, after that first day, it seems like they got communications in line. People were around. I mean, like, they had everything organized, and everything seems like it went off pretty well. Yeah, I mean, the communication was the big thing because we actually right. walked to the convention center Friday. Um, we were going to play in the Mini Masters and just kind of hang out. And as soon as we showed up, there was, like, a line wrapping through the convention center and out the door. Right. And someone was like, yes, even if you're pre-registered, you need to stand in this line. And we were like, well, uh, I guess that's 60 bucks gone and took a cab and, like, left. Because we're like, I'm not standing in a line for eight hours. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, you just need to stand in a line if you want your sleeves and promo all is dust, which I don't know what I would ever do with that card. <laughs> Screw that. Yeah. And there were that many people who were willing to stand in a line for their sleeves in the promo all is dust? Yeah, Jeff, don't you remember Jerry talking about standing in the line at the bar at Gen Con? Uh, <laughs> it's like, this is what gamers do. Yeah, gamers, gamers love, love to stand lines. in lines. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how to function in society, so if you put me in a line, I'm going to stay there for however long it takes. Uh, I mean, you know, like, 
I definitely don't make a, a ton of money, but if I really want an all right. dust that's worth like 12 bucks and the option is presented to me to like spend $12 cash or like wait in a six to eight hour line, I mean like that's really just a no brainer. You're really yeah. going to make me go and look up all his dust, aren't you? The you don't need to look it up. It doesn't matter. Oh. You don't know what it does? Of course I don't well, know, what it, know what it does. Clearly you've never played EDH. No, I haven't <laughs> played EDH, and I'm going to keep it that way. Thank you very much. Yeah, Tuan, take that. I, Tuan really doesn't care about EDH. He's just <laughs> trolling you. Good lord. A, a regular Rise of Eldrazi, all his dust is $20? Yeah, um, apparently, yes. Are you sorry you didn't stand in that line now? No. No. <laughs> you know, they don't even have the... Yeah, exactly oh, this, right. is the, this is the Grand Prix special one that they were handing out? Yes. I'm looking at Magic Cards info, right. so I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they were handing out the Grand Prix one and not Pack Fresh. I have. Well, I, I was wondering if there. So I see a, there's a Grand Prix special one and a Rise of Eldrazi Mythic Rare. I was wondering if there was a third one for this Modern Masters event, but I didn't know. No, it's just a Grand Prix yeah. promo. Gotcha. Um, I mean, like I, I have zero regrets for the entire weekend. So, like, somewhere I did something that I probably should have made a different decision, but. <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any venereal diseases that you have like, to declare from that, now that on? Oddly I mean, specific and yet vague. <laughs> no, I said I said I have no regrets. But you that said that there is something that you yeah, probably should regret. Yeah, you said that there was regret. a mistake that you made. <laughs> no, I said that I have no regrets, and I was alluding to the fact that like I should have done something stupider in regret. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you not doing anything stupid actually seems more surprising to me than anything else. Well, I mean, G and Jacob and Jimmy might have a different side to that story, but... <laughs> well, apparently your Thursday was quite exciting, so... Yeah. Well, we walked into some random place where they were playing music, and the guy playing music was DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw Jimmy <laughs> tweeting about that, and he was really seemed really psyched. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool, what I remember of it. Did he play anything good? Was it interesting that it was DJ Jazzy Jeff, or did it just oh. end up being DJ Jazzy Jeff? I mean, I don't remember specifics. I guess it's possible I could have been roofied. Maybe, okay, okay, maybe I'm missing something here. Is there something I don't know about DJ Jazzy Jeff? He was on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Really? He was, yeah, he was jazz. Oh, okay. I mean, neat. I mean, that, that's not especially relevant anymore, but but that's you, who he is. Are you was. trying to say that the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is no longer relevant? Well, it's relevant, but, I mean, not especially relevant. I think uh, it, I mean, it is the undercurrent of our times. <laughs> yes, it, it forms the zeitgeist. It, it really does. <laughs> it really does. We actually ended up hitting up a pretty good cocktail place. Uh, we went there twice, actually. Everyone went Wednesday night, and then we went again on, like, Saturday called the Velveteen Rabbit. Uh-huh. And, you know, they had pretty good cocktails, and, you know, the bartenders were pretty good. You know, we got to a point where we stopped ordering off the menu and just say, like, I want this that's not sweet, and they would be like, okay. That seems good. <laughs> like, fine. These particular <laughs> Jeez. Well, well, their drinks were and their drinks were eight dollars, which is like for good well, ingredients. Like, yeah, that doesn't seem bad in in Vegas, in a Vegas. big city. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we had to walk past like you know a fair amount of people sleeping on benches, but yeah. Oh, well, that's fine. That's Vegas. That's like yeah, I do that here. Uh, and then we went to a random hotel pool on the fifth floor. I think it was at the Plaza, and they had sixteen ounce like good decent beers, Red Stripe. 
Blue Moon, Dos Equis, five for twenty dollars. Hmm. Oh, which that's like normal. So, place so, so you guys each spent like twenty dollars there, and <laughs> did did you ever actually come down to like sobriety level, or was it was it just constant, well, constantly moving from buzz to buzz? I think we we had there were five of us, and I think we drank six rounds of beers at that hotel pool, and then I immediately took a cab to the airport. Nice. <laughs> Nice. And I landed in I landed in Denver at like one in the morning because of storms, and then I got up at six thirty and went to work the next day. Yeah, how was oh. work that day? Yeah, I mean it wasn't bad. It was more that I was like, I can't believe that I put myself in this situation to like right. get such a dumb flight. <laughs> <laughs> like that, I mean that was totally my own fault. Was it absolutely insane getting out of there, or is like I guess I don't know. I suppose that the airports around Vegas must be built to handle that kind of influx and exodus? No, I mean, it's pretty close. I just took a cab. Uh, my cab driver on the way to the airport was telling me, you know, about the dangers of coffee and that, <laughs> that meth, meth should be legal because it's, like, just like a safer coffee. Cab drives, you hear some really fascinating stuff. So, you, so uh, wait, meth is safer coffee? Is what the cab driver told me. All right, that's cool. He, he looked like he had tried both. <laughs> and he liked one more than the other. Well, was, clearly one is safer. He's only concerned about your health. Yeah, I, I really, you know, I've got to say, I can't wake up in the morning without my hit of meth. You don't want to see me before my morning meth. The darker, the better. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're really uh, pulling out all the stops here. <laughs> oh, like anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean the 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 airport wasn't like lines everywhere to like to check in and stuff. It it could handle the the people getting out and everything. I mean, and I, and I think that's like one of the arguments for having the Modern Masters tournament there is like when I landed and was taking a cab into town. First off, cab drivers like, "Are you coming to the electronic music festival?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> and he's like, "Are you here to play poker?" And I'm like, "No." I'm here to play this collectible card game. It's supposed to be the largest collectible card game tournament. And then he's like, oh, how many people? I'm like, it's capped at 4,500. He's like, oh. <laughs> that's small. Yeah, yeah. like, that's what Vegas does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 4,500-person yeah. event is nothing. Yeah, well, that's a part of what I was thinking. Like, I know that if airports are prepared, like, it's not really about them being large enough or anything. It's about them being practiced. Like, if they get that sort of traffic I mean, through I think them, I was they know how to deal with the it. the gate in, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That seems yeah, like well, it. I, I mean, like, uh, my wife and I flew out of Los Angeles one time and we were like, oh man, we, we're going to need to get to the airport like three hours early to go through lines. And I think we ended up, I mean, the, the line when we got there was out the door, but they got through it in like 20 minutes or whatever. We had an hour and a half extra at the airport after all was said and done. It was like, okay, that was easy. Yeah, they, just yeah. Know, they know how to handle their right their area. Yeah, which is, I right, mean, I attribute that to a lot of why the Grand Prix went pretty smooth. Sure. Right. Did you guys go anywhere else for for dinner or drinks? It was any good? I mean, what was what were your experiences on that front? Uh, well, I mean, we also well, the Velveteen Rabbit was awesome. Cheap Plaza rooftop pool was awesome. <laughs> uh, we went to the Paris pool and drank, and that was a little more expensive mm-hmm. by like fifteen dollar gin and tonic expensive. Ah, uh, that is pretty expensive. Yeah. Fifteen dollar beef eater gin and tonic expensive. Uh, I think it's, uh we, we checked out uh, <laughs> Frank's Tiki Bar. Um, which is pretty good that, you know, they have a lot of traditional tiki drinks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like almost every drink's a rum drink and they're pretty sweet. So if you're not really into that, then. Oh, uh, yeah. Best is, that, time. 
I don't, I don't really know. That is the definition of a tiki drink is rum drinks. Pretty much. Um, oh, that'd be like Caribbean themed. So yeah, lots yeah. of rum. Okay. We went to to Noodles for some dinner, and that was pretty good. Jimmy had some sake, and he specifically said to me, make sure I don't drink any tequila tonight because I can't mix sake and tequila. So like, <laughs> How as soon as we got to... so, so all night you were like, Jimmy, Jimmy, try this. <laughs> yeah, as soon as we got to the tiki bar, well, Jimmy broke a drink, and then I ordered him a shot of tequila. <laughs> Did he drink it? Oh, we oh, are yeah. friends. We have fun. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I probably had, I don't know, six, seven, eight zombies. Did you have the experience of hearing Jimmy hacking up a hairball in the bathroom at 3 a.m.? No. Jimmy was at the blackjack table swearing rather loudly at 3 a.m. Oh. <laughs> I like that this is just all about Jimmy's exploits in Vegas now. It's great. Yeah. That's cool. I'm okay with it. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, but the tiki bar was cool. I mean, Jayco's like looking at the menu and is like, okay, you know, I, I don't really want something this sweet. So the lady, I, I think she may be an owner. I'm not sure. Uh, so the interaction went... What would you like to drink? Jayco's like, can I get this? But instead of this sweet stuff, can I just have this? And she said, no. Nice. And he was like, okay, that's funny. You know, like, can I get this? And she was like, nope. <laughs> cool. <laughs> wow. Which was actually pretty awkward. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that stance from, like, a bar owner. Yeah, it seems really strange. But... They could have been selling Jayco's by now and... Yeah, so she I served us no no other drinks for the rest of the night, and we just ordered from the other bartender. Huh. Was he willing to accommodate? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I was I was pretty surprised by that actually. <laughs> whatever. The, the non-customer oriented service attitude. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bold move in the service industry. Customers are not important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah screw them. Yeah, and some some guys I play Legacy with met us there because they were in town. They actually played a lot more Magic than I did. Uh huh. It seems well, very possible to do that. At, yeah. At that event. Yeah. Well, I know that you, you said that there were people with you guys who didn't plan on playing at all. I mean, Sam didn't really <laughs> register for the tournament, or no? I mean, in Sam's anything. group, the, there was a bunch of people in his hotel room that like didn't even they ex there they were retired Magic players. Ah. Supposedly. That's kind of, that's an interesting title. I like that. I used to play, but I'm retired. I think that often people, I mean, old Magic players are always in a state of semi-retirement where they're like, yeah, I don't play anymore, but if the opportunity presents itself, oh, I'm going to go and play some Magic. Well, they just want to hang out because they know that, like, once you start hanging out with people, like, you know, all your friends still play Magic, so you still want to hang out and go out and Because Magic players are the coolest to hang out with. Well, I mean, if those are your only friends, like, if that's the best you can do, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not by choice, but... <laughs> no, 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 obviously. Oh. Yeah, sorry. I, I didn't mean to let you down like that, but you know it's true. Well, I think we've already established I don't have any friends, even you guys, so... What uh, can I say? Yeah, you and Jerry can hang out together, but not be friends. Yeah, that's that's exactly how it works. <laughs> But yeah, it was a it was a success. I lost nine dollars gambling. That's pretty good. Yeah. To to not lose everything gambling, right? How long did it yeah. take you to lose nine dollars? Oh, across the whole weekend. I would pretty much. I'm the type of gambler where like I'm just casually walking through a casino to get from A to B and decide I should throw a dollar in a slot machine. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
I mean, there there were some associates or some people that I knew that were there that played magic or had played magic at one point in their life that lost a significant amount. <laughs> oh, retired magic players. <laughs> yes. Lost a significant amount of money gambling. Yeah. Hmm. It was a fun weekend. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. I think um, it will it will be repeated whether or not there are magic tournaments when we try and get a bunch of people to meet up in Vegas. Well, well, I mean, it sounds like this could be repeated easily at Eternal Weekend in November. It's possible. You're going to have the same type of crowd. Well, not the same size crowd, but, I mean, at least all of the, for, for us anyway, all of the, the familiar faces, guys are going to be yeah. here, the, all the vintage guys, all the legacy players. And, you know, it, like Philadelphia is a real fun city. Like, you're going to be right downtown with Reddit Market and, you know, cheesesteaks and whatever else and... I, I think that'll be a good opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to try and go to that, so. Question as far as planning goes. So the Eternal Weekend is just, the events are Saturday and Sunday. It's not, we don't have to, like, arrive there on Thursday, correct? There's stuff on Friday. I don't there's remember stuff what on it is, Friday, though. okay. I don't remember what it is. I think it's just trials. It's like, I think there's probably a Legacy trial and a Vintage trial. Ah, uh, okay. Because I know that's what they would do at Gen Con. Right, right. I, I remember because they had Friday stuff at Gen Con. That was why I was curious if... I suppose I'm just curious how many days I have to take off work to attend. I mean, it may run like side events for buys and the main right. event. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'll um, just also that to... that that Saturday is my birthday. So. Oh, that's gonna be insane. <laughs> do you really like? Do you really like to celebrate my birthday? I would celebrate your. I mean, I'm not gonna be there unfortunately, but I'd, I'd celebrate your birthday with you, Josh Apple. Come on. All right, sweet. For your birthday, I will. Three wise men's for everyone. I will yeah, intentionally sure. accidentally leave a sandwich unguarded for you. Oh, the ultimate that's, gift. But that's not even fun. <laughs> that's why <laughs> it's intentionally yeah. accidentally. You you won't know that it's intentional. You'll leave the sandwich unguarded on top of Jerry's card. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave I, this right here. <laughs> I thought you were going to say another word that also starts with C. <laughs> you can pretend I did. That's fine. We can get multiple sandwiches and we can get we can punch them anywhere we want. Yeah, multiple words that begin with C. <laughs> it has happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Serious Vintage. Really? I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Josh Chap. And we hope you'll join us next time for more Serious Vintage. A little trip. Take a little trip, take a little trip and see. So let me break it down for you. $1,100 at a strip club is probably a pretty sweet night. $1,100 at a bowling alley is probably amazing. 